Well, as you all know by now, our pastor is in uh, Texas, uh, has been since Friday. He's uh, doing a revival down there in a church near Houston. So uh, pray for him as he ministers down there. And he'll be coming back uh, to his home on Tuesday, spending Thanksgiving with his family, and then we'll be coming back up here on Saturday. So. And uh, this morning, I want to introduce you to David Johnson, uh, who is a missionary. And uh, he is with us today to preach and uh, bring a message to us. And he also has with him his wife, Amy, and his daughter, Ariel, this morning. And you have a bio insert in your bulletins today. You can read a little more about them. And I'm not going to say a lot because I know uh, David wants to tell you about his story. And uh, David, we are looking forward to hearing from you. Come and uh, preach as the Lord leads you to do. Thank you, Fred. And uh, I want to thank you all uh, for the honor and the privilege to come here and address you today about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, It's the Great Commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our primary text today is going to be in Matthew 28, uh, 19 and 20. But I want to tell you, uh, I don't know if you guys uh, grew up in an opportunity where you had to, to go through Bible drill. But we're going to do a little Bible drill this morning. So uh, we're going to have our main uh, text, but we're going to be moving around a little bit. So nimble up your fingers and uh, uh, get ready to, uh, to turn with me. Because what I hope that you'll take away from this uh, sermon this morning is that the Great Commission is not just two verses in Matthew, but it is the message of the entire Bible cover to cover. You'll see that it goes all the way from the in the beginning of Genesis all the way to the last amen in Revelation. It's in the law of Moses. It's in the Psalms of David. It's in the history of Israel. And it's in the writings of the prophets. It's in all four Gospels and it's in the book of Acts. It fills Paul's letters and Peter's writings. And it permeates the heart of John. The Great Commission has been the heartbeat of our Lord and Savior and the mind of God from the beginning. It is a command to all of us. And it is to be the focal point of every single person who claims the name Christian. But before we get into our text today, uh, Jeff asked me to share a little bit about my testimony. Uh, So I'd like to do that with you. Uh, I grew up... uh, kind of with a a head knowledge of God. I was a nominal Catholic growing up, and I knew a lot about God up here, but I had no relationship, no understanding of who God was, no connection. It was all head knowledge. And uh, I lived the American dream, uh, had the things that that most people think are going to make them happy. But God got a hold of me one day and said, all right, what are you going to do now? One day you are going to stand before me and give an accounting, as each and every one of us is going to do. And I didn't have any answer for that. God wasn't going to care what was on my resume. God wasn't going to care what was in my bank account. He wasn't going to care uh, what I had done, uh, how many times I'd gone to church, or how many times I had uh, given an offering, or, or any of that stuff. It's not going to make any difference. I was going to have to stand before God and give an account for my life. And so I knew I needed to connect with God, but I didn't know how. 
I went around. I, I, we lived in Texas at that time, and right there in the buckle of the Bible Belt, I was going around every Sunday to two or three church services, hoping somebody could tell me how to connect with God. Now, it's pretty sad that you'd be in the buckle of the Bible Belt and be able to go to two or three church services every Sunday and not hear the gospel. That's a scary thought, but that's the truth. That's what I encountered. Finally, one day, the Lord brought me to a place where I heard the gospel, clear and true, and I knew what needed to be done. But still, the pride in my own heart wouldn't let me walk down that aisle, wouldn't let me talk to that person. But I did fill out a card, and I said, I'd like a minister to come and, and visit me at my home. And that following Wednesday night, your pastor and another man from that church came to my home. And they spent two and a half hours with me in my home that night, sharing the gospel with me, answering all my questions, and telling me how to connect with God. So, my friends, you have a pastor with a heart for the lost. And I urge you all to follow Jeff as he follows Christ, because this is one missionary who'll be leaving in a couple of months for East Asia that is going because your pastor was obedient to the Great Commission. And he went and told. He told me, and now God is sending us to go tell others. And what I came to share with you today is he's called each and every one of you as well. Now, you need to understand one thing before I get started. Now, I am not a pastor. Uh, God has called me to be an evangelist. And I don't know if you know the difference between a pastor and an evangelist, but a pastor's job is to comfort the afflicted. It's an evangelist's job to afflict the comfortable. So uh, sometimes God does bring affliction into our lives, uh, but it's to get our attention. And, uh, and it's when the message is, is most important sometimes that that, that message comes that way. Uh, so if you'll turn with me to our primary text, to Matthew uh, 28, 19, 20. I want you to follow along with me as we talk about this text for a moment and where we see the clear command of Jesus. And then we're going to be taking a little whirlwind tour of Scripture. And we're going to track this command all the way through uh, Scripture. And you'll see how it goes from beginning to end. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Now there's something that is not easily apparent here in the English that is in the underlying Greek text that's there. And there's a word in there. In Greek, it's mathetusate. It is a command, and it means to make disciples. It's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. It's a command. Kind of like when you tell your kids, clean your room. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, make disciples. The other words that are in there, go, baptizing, teaching. In the Greek, those are participles. They're... They're used to tell you how to go about carrying out that command. How do I make disciples? I make disciples as I go. I make disciples by baptizing. And I make disciples by teaching. Now there in the text, what does it say? It says, you need to teach them systematic theology. Yeah? No, that's not what it says. It says you're supposed to teach them, you know, the four spiritual laws and all these things. Is that what it says? No. 
What does it tell them to teach? Teach them to obey all the commands that I've given you. That's what the text says. Teach them to obey. Now, he's just given us an important command. Make disciples. Go tell others about Jesus. And teach them to obey everything I commanded you. So if we make disciples and we're teaching them to obey, what's the first thing that we need to teach them to obey? Make disciples. That's just what it said. It's disciples making disciples making disciples. That's how the church grows. That's God's plan for reaching the nations. Now, how important do you think this command was to our Lord? Let me tell you, it was the first thing that Jesus said when he appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. And John 20, 21 says, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. It was the last thing he said to them before he ascended to heaven. In Acts 1.8, it says, Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and all Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. He said it to them in all the other Gospels as well. Like we said, we've already seen Matthew in Luke 24, 46-48. He says, Repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in all the nations. And he says also in that text, You are my witnesses. And the last one, Mark 16, 15 says, Go into all the world and preach the Gospel to all creation. Now you think... If Jesus says it to us five times, it's probably something pretty important, right? But you see, our Lord also knows that people are a little slow, especially men. Now, ladies, I know you know. How many times have you had to tell us to take out the trash, right? (laughs) We're a little slow on the uptake. Sometimes we've got to get things a few more times. So what we're going to do is Jesus commanding us five times in Scripture may not be enough. So God put this idea all throughout Scripture. Turn back with me to Genesis. Back to Genesis 3.15. And I want to show you the seeds uh, of this. You go to Genesis 3.15. And the promise of God, right from the beginning, right from the fall of man, was, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head And you will strike his heel. God's promise right there from the beginning of Genesis is, I will send a deliverer. I will send a seed of the woman to make this right. To be that propitiation for sins. That's God's promise from the beginning. And that's the seeds of the gospel. God's made a promise. And he expects us to tell about that promise. You'll see that was a command to Israel and to to others as we go through Let's fast forward a little bit to Genesis 12. I told you, you're going to get finger practice this morning, right? Genesis 12, right? The first three verses. This is God's uh, uh, blessing to Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Now catch this. This is the important part. Focus in on this with me. And all peoples on the earth 
will be blessed through you. Why did God bless Abraham? Because he was a nice guy? No, he was an idolater. His father, you know, he came out of a household of idolaters. He was uh, in a lost area. And God said, you've got to get out of there. Because I've got something I'm going to do with you. Was it anything particular in Abraham's life that earned him this blessing? No, it was the grace of God. Because God had a plan. And it wasn't the blessing for Abraham's benefit. Why did he bless him? So that all the people in the earth would be blessed through him. He, this was where he was going to fulfill his promise. This is whom he was choosing to fulfill the promised deliverer that he made. You see, God's heart has always been for the nations. He doesn't say so that all the Hebrews may be blessed. He doesn't say so that all the white people can be blessed. He says though all the nations can be blessed. That means the entire world. God's heart was from the world from, from the beginning. Look at a few more places where we see this theme carrying through. He does reiterate that promise to both Isaac and Jacob uh, there in Genesis. But even before we leave the law of Moses, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. There's a few more books over. Deuteronomy 32, verse 43 says, Rejoice, O nations, with his people. He's commanding the whole world to rejoice with Israel. Not Israel rejoice because I've chosen you. The whole world rejoice with Israel, with his people. For he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will take vengeance on his enemies and make atonement for his land and for his people. There's the promise right there. Again, the Great Commission. And he's telling you, all the nations rejoice. The people are there. All the nations are rejoicing. We see that the Great Commission is placed on Isaiah. We go to Isaiah 6. And we see it was right in Isaiah's call. When he says, who shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. He's there and he's saying, I have a message to get out to the people. Who is going to go get it? Who is going to bring that message for me? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. It's the command to the Messiah later in Isaiah. If you go to Isaiah 49, I told you you're going to get your finger practice right this morning. If you go to Isaiah 49... Verse 6, now this is God speaking about the servant of the Lord. He's speaking about the promised Messiah. And he's saying in here, this is his command to his son, to Jesus. He says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I've kept. I will also make you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation, where? To the ends of the earth. You will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Part of God's plan from the beginning. Part of the prophecy of what Jesus was going to do. This commission is God's heart for all people. 
Now, if you thought that the Great Commission was only those couple of verses in Matthew, it's what we memorized for it in Sunday school. I mean, it goes all the way back to Noah. When uh, in 1 Peter and 2 Peter, when it talks about Noah, it says that he was used by God to preach righteousness to those who were disobedient. He was preaching God's message back before the flood. That was God's plan. That's God's there. How many times in God's word does he need to tell us that? Well, even in the end, as a last thing in Revelation, God wants to make sure it gets done. And in Revelation 14, 6, uh, I'm sorry, 14, yeah, 14, 6, an angel is going to finish the job because we didn't get it done. It says, then I saw another angel flying in midair and he had an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. But that's the job that God gave us to do. That's the job for God's church to be doing, is to bring this message of the gospel to everyone. How many times does God have to tell us something before we realize it's really important to Him? How many times before we do what God's commanded us to do? Luke 6.46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? He says in John 14.15, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Carrying the, loss, uh, carrying the gospel to the lost is something that's important to God. It's something that's always been important to God. And it's something He expects each and every one of us to be involved in in our lives. You may say to me, okay, preacher, we get it. This is something that God didn't want us to miss in Scripture. It's extremely important to Him. But how do we know that we are the ones to do it? The who of evangelism is every believer. It is not just those with a gift of evangelism. The Great Commission is something expected of every believer without exception. To say that the work of evangelism is only for those with a gift of evangelism is like saying prayer is only for those who have the spiritual gift of intercession. You may not have the spiritual gift of intercession, but every one of you pray, right? We may not have the spiritual gift of evangelism, but everyone is expected to evangelize. Even Timothy, who was called to be a pastor, he wasn't an evangelist. But what does Paul tell him in, Tim in 2 Timothy 4? He says, do the work of an evangelist. Not every Christian is an evangelist, but every Christian is to evangelize. We are to be Christ's witnesses. This Bible tells us that Jesus was beaten and tortured and hung on a cross to die for your sins and my sins. The wrath of God was poured out on Christ for every living person that's ever lived on this earth. So if we truly believe this, why do we find it so hard to tell others? Jesus says in Matthew 5.15 that we are a light. And He says, do not hide your light under a basket. But folks, if we're honest with ourselves, we have hidden His light under a basket. 
And then we've put a steeple and a cross on top of the basket and told the world, if you want to see the light, come under the basket with us on Sunday. That's what we've relegated our job to share the gospel to. It's to invite people to church. Jesus said, go and tell. How did it get turned into coming here? Because it's not just the pastor's job. It's not just missionaries that tell that go and share the gospel. You're called to be his witnesses. We are watchmen on the wall. Chosen by God to warn a lost and dying world that the sword is coming. The one last place I'm going to ask us to look in Scripture is Ezekiel 33. And I'm going to ask you to go there. Now, I'm not going to cover the whole passage, but I don't know if Pastor Jeff gives you guys homework assignments, but I'm going to give you a homework assignment today. Is that all right? It'll get us out of here an hour earlier. Is that all right? (laughs) All right. Ezekiel 33, 1 to 11. That's your homework assignment for tonight. I want you to go home and read that passage, those verses. Pray through them. And ask God to open your heart to what they're saying. But we're only going to talk about verse 8 here this morning. But I want you all to make that commitment before God that you'll go home tonight and that you'll look at this passage and study it in context. So you know I'm not just pulling things out of thin air. That this is really God's command in His heart. Verse 8 says, When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways... That wicked man will die for his sin, but I will hold you accountable for his blood. Guys, every one of us has that responsibility for the lost. How many people do you know in your lives? Friends, relatives, brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, co-workers that don't know Christ. When you stand before God on Judgment Day, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We're not talking about a loss of salvation, but a loss of reward, most certainly. That's what 1 Corinthians 3 talks about. That the works that you do, whether they wood, hay, or straw, or gold, gold, silver, and precious stones, you will give that accounting before God. And it says He will require their blood at our hands. How many faces will we have to look at and stand before God and say, Yes, I could have told him. I could have told that person about you and I didn't. Guys, I don't want to see that. And I didn't come here today with a message of condemnation, but a message of encouragement. Guys, you don't have to be afraid. What was that promise in Matthew 28, 20? I will be with you always even until the end of the earth. And let me take a burden off your shoulders this morning. You can't save anybody. It's not your responsibility. You're to be the witness, but the conviction and salvation is the job of the Holy Spirit. Don't take that burden on yourself. You're not responsible for their response to the gospel. You're responsible for being a faithful deliverer, a faithful messenger of that word. Your job is just to be a witness. And you may say, preacher, I don't know. I don't know enough. I'm nervous about that. Well, how can I I do it? Let me encourage you. 
You're not called to be an expert. God doesn't say, be a theologian. He says, be a witness. When you're called to court to be a witness, do you have to take an entrance exam to see if you're qualified? No. Do you have to pass a test before you can be a witness in court? No, you don't. What do they call you to do when you're called to court to be a witness? You're there to tell what you've seen, what you've heard, and what you know. That's it. That's it. That's all God is asking you to do for Him. The woman at the well, when Jesus led her to her understanding of sin, what did, she, what did He say? Go and, and, and get a, a PhD? No, He said, tell. She went around. She didn't tell people deep theological things. She didn't solve the, the conflict between Calvinism and Arminianism. No, she didn't. She, what did she do? She went around and told people. She said, this is what God has done for me. When God delivered the, the gathering demoniac, when he cast the demons out of that man, he wanted to follow Jesus. He was ready to get in the boat and go with him. But what did Jesus tell him? No. Go and tell others what God has done for you. That was what he wanted him to do. And guys, that's all that you're being called to do. So where do you start? Well, you've already made a start. You've already made a start by committing to be prayer partners with my family as we head to East Asia. You know, Jeff has reached out to me and said that this church would be interested in praying for us. As we go. Do we have any veterans here? Anybody here that served in the military? Yes? Alright. Guys, veterans, you know how important heavy artillery is to a battle. Right? On June 6, 1944, troops from the combined Allied forces assaulted the beach of Normandy. This was D-Day. It was a critical battle in determining the outcome of World War II. The naval fleet pounded the shoreline with the big guns to take out enemy encampments and resistance that would have shredded the troops that were coming to land on the beach. But the big guns could not take that beach. Not by themselves. Those soldiers had to go and land on that beach and occupy that and set up that beachhead and establish that, that land. So I ask you, who took the beaches of Normandy? Who made that beachhead against the enemy? Was it the ships with the big guns? No, not by themselves. Was it just the soldiers that were landing on the beach? No, they had that fire support. Could either have done it without the other one? No. In that same way, prayer warriors and missionaries work together to make inroads against the enemy. It is prayer that paves the way. It is faithful saints back here praying for us that take out the traps of the enemy before the missionaries even know they're there. And it's the missionaries who go to land and to establish those beachheads and to plant those churches on the ground. So by partnering with missionaries, you guys are part of that battle. That can't be won without you. It's by making that commitment to faithfully pray 
for those who are going to the mission field. God is doing amazing things in the closed countries of Asia. My family and I are going to a place where we very well might have the chance to give our lives for the gospel. People have asked, how can you take your family into such a situation? Beloved, know this. The worst they can do to us is only temporary. But the fate of those that we are going to bring the gospel to, if they don't hear, that's not a temporary fate. God's promised that that is for eternity. Whatever the Lord may require to get His message to even one person, it's worth it. It's worth it whatever the cost. So valuable is one lost soul to God that He tells us in His Word that all the angels and all of heaven rejoice when one sinner turns away from his sin and turns to God. If even one person could be saved from an eternity in hell and it cost my family our lives, that's a price we're willing to pay. It's a price we'll gladly pay. But you all also engage in the battle when you give sacrificially to this church and you give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Part of what you give to this church goes into the cooperative program And that, plus the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, is the majority of the funding that goes to make it possible for missionaries like us to go and to be those beach troops for you. But I'll also be in direct contact with your pastor about opportunities for possible mission trips or other opportunities where Rocky Mount Baptist Church can be more directly involved with us and our mission in East Asia. But remember, the Great Commission has more parts than just the ends of the earth. I do want you to be our partners and I do want you to be involved with us in what we're doing. But you know what? There's a a Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem as part of that commission too. And Rocky Mount, North Carolina, that's your Jerusalem. There are other needs and mission needs all throughout Virginia That's your Judea that you could be involved in. There are needs all over this nation that could be your Samaria that you can be involved in in mission trips. And I know your pastor has a heart for this. So let him know that you're willing, that you've got to drive, that you're willing to answer that call. And I guarantee you he will find, he will work with you to find opportunities to do that. But it all starts right here at home. You have friends and neighbors And folks around you that haven't heard the gospel. And you're their witnesses. You're the watchman on the wall for them. And like I said, you don't need to be an expert. You don't need a PhD degree. You don't need to go to seminary to be a witness for Christ. All you need to do is to tell them what God has done in your life. And you know what? Every single person here is an expert I know in one thing. That's your relationship with God. There is no one better qualified to talk about your relationship with God than you. Has God done something in your life? I would imagine so. You wouldn't be here if He hadn't, right? Each and every one of you has got things where God has taken you through some tough times. Where God has brought you through. God has saved you. 
from your faith. Every one of you has something that God has done in your life. That's all God's asking you to be willing to tell. That's all He's asking you to do. But I want to say, folks, maybe there are some folks here who say, Preacher, I don't know if I've ever connected with the things that you're talking about. I don't know what it is that God may have done in my life. If you don't have that knowledge that God has done something amazing in your life, something transforming in your life, don't let another day go by without letting that happen. Because you know what? God is ready to do it today. If you don't have that relationship with Christ, if you don't have something to talk about, where God's done something in your life. Maybe that relationship is missing. And maybe you need to make today the day that you give your life to Christ and open your life up to see the wondrous love of Jesus, the wondrous works of God in your life. In just a moment, we're, the, the uh, folks are going to sing for us uh, uh, a song that we can come forward so after I pray I'm going to be down front and I want to I want to offer each and every one of you that opportunity if you don't have that witness don't leave here today without it make today the day that you connect with God and if you do have that witness then rejoice with me at the joy that God's brought for you. And let that joy pour out to others in answer to God's command. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the things that you've done in our lives. We're grateful for the sacrifice that you've been willing to make, that you gave your Son so that we might be saved. I thank you, Lord, for the provision that you've made for our travel to the mission field, for the mission board and the hearts of all those who are working with us to train and equip us to go. I thank you, Lord, for this church, for the opportunity that they've extended to Jeff to come be their pastor and for me to come bring this word this morning. Lord, I am so grateful for the people of this church and Rocky Mount. I am so encouraged, Lord, that you have a church here, that you have people here who have a relationship with you. And Lord, I just ask that you'll open their hearts and open their mouths. Help them to have the strength and the courage to know that you are with them and that they need only be your messengers, but that you are the deliverer and it's the Holy Spirit who convicts and saves. Lord, help them to have that courage. And Father, if there's anyone here that does not know you, if there's anyone here that does not have that relationship, Give them the courage, Lord, to come forward and make today the day of salvation that we may all rejoice together with them. All this I pray in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.